Welcome to the Basecamp Podcast. Connecting you with the ideas from some of the fastest growing entrepreneurs and creators on the internet. I'm Shenny. I'm David. Let's get started. Stephen Trista. The man, the video legend. What's going on, man? What's happening? Thanks for coming. Thanks for the, giving us an hour of your time. You know, welcome. I, did, I didn't really have to go anywhere, did I? <laughs> we tried to get you down into the studio and you were like, no. And you are literally in England. Yeah, I... I don't travel out my house that much anymore. Are you, are you an agoraphobe? Like what's, what's... is con- country lifestyle, lifestyle choice. You know what I mean? We've got a setup like this. Yeah. Look, I get it. I like doing some stuff face to face, but you're in London, right? Yeah. West London. I, I can't be asked to go to London anymore. I grew up there. You know what I mean? And I, I, I'm all about the chill vibes now and yeah. forget the traffic, forget too many people. I've done all that, mate. Yeah, it's almost like a rite of passage, though, isn't it? You do the whole yeah. I need some quiet time. I need the place to like grow a family or like just chill and not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Look, I know I don't look it, but I'm in my early (laughs) forties. Normally, it's other people that say that to you, not you saying about yourself. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, other people say that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so it's you know i mean i'm at the stage now where i like you said i've been there done it got the t-shirt and and the weird thing is i've always really been a country boy at heart i've always liked the countryside or sea air and that kind of stuff and but london's too hectic for me especially at this time of my life now you know you're not that fucking old mate talking about times of your life jesus anyway anyway um so tell us about your your kind of like almost meteoric rise especially like on twitter because that's how we first connected what seems like ages ago now but like where did that all come from like were you active online before you kind of hit your twitter growth as you are now i think what you're like four five k followers now uh is what's that how many followers have you got on twitter now like four or five k somewhere else? just just under four thousand two hundred at the time of shooting this podcast <laughs> you know. um so yeah it's been it's been a weird one in that sense of of kind of say meteoric or getting known for the VSL stuff. I I signed up to Twitter, I think it was 2009, and oh, then nice. had a break for a good number of years. And last year, I just started getting really bored with LinkedIn. I was fairly active on it and got a few clients with regards to the speaking skill stuff and coaching that I've done for like 16 years. And I just got bored. And I thought, let me go and have a, a look back on Twitter. And at that point, you know, I think I had a couple of thousand followers. I was following a couple of thousand people and I, and I just thought, you know, I need to clean, clean the timeline up and kind of, so I unfollowed a shit ton of people and started having a look around Twitter again. And somehow the stars aligned, the universe planted a tweet from Dan Co. And then I got sucked into the world of money Twitter and it's fucking amazing. I started following some of his stuff and then I was looking at who he was following. And you know what I mean? You kind of go down the rabbit hole. And at that point, you know, with the online stuff and everything that had gone on in the pandemic, and not many people know this, in 2020, when it all properly kicked off, you know, my, my business at the time was face-to-face training, speaking mm-hmm. skill stuff, right? And within six weeks i lost like 85 90 percent of my revenue 85 yeah it just went down the pan business done and i'll tell you what 
And I know a lot of other training businesses, that kind of stuff, they went down the Swanee as well. And by the end of 2020, uh, I think November, I had to let the business go because it just, you know what I mean? It was a fucking horrid year in that sense and probably the toughest six months of my life. Uh, and I know a lot of other people going through all kinds of shit with it as well. You know what I mean? It was all very unexpected. You know, looking back on stuff now from a business point of view, I realized that, you know, I didn't have a proper infrastructure in place and digital assets and all that kind of stuff that would have helped with that. So, you know, once once I let that go and kind of the trauma of that stuff go, the, the following year, I was like, you know what, looking at the online stuff and what else can what else can I do as well? And then come coming across money Twitter, I think one of the first people, like, so it was Dan Cohen. And then I connected with, uh, I don't know if you guys know George Cisneros. No. This geezer, a brother from another mother, is one, one of the older generation, 55 years old, absolute G. Uh, we connected and he ended up hosting a very, very intimate 30-day like ebook writing challenge because I thought to myself, you know, I need to do something different from what I've been doing and how can I get my knowledge out there? And so we did that. And previously I had a belief that, you know, I hated writing. After that 30 days, I realized that I enjoyed writing and that's when things started to shift for me. And then I connected with Grammar Hippie and learned a lot from him about copywriting and he helped me out with some stuff, which was really sweet of him. And, and then after that, it takes me to about October time. Mm -hmm. I, I ended up having a chat with David Mendes. I don't know whether you know David. I recognize the name. Name rings about 100%. Yeah. And uh, again, in his 20s, like you, mid 20s, really know, like knows his stuff, into sales, marketing, mindset stuff. And he was messaging me on Twitter and, and shared a lot of value over a period of an hour. And, and he created a, a community. Uh, a very intimate community of people that he was helping and he's testing it out involved a membership one payment and then a call with him and at that point those there was a period of about two months where some of the business stuff the online stuff because i had to pivot and take stuff online wasn't working out so well and mindset stuff i think i think there was pr probably a bit of like fucking ptsd shit from the previous year of happening and stuff you know what i mean and uh and i joined the group a lot of the, the stuff that he was sharing was great. I wasn't implementing it for whatever fucking reason. And then all of a sudden I started implementing November time, November, December, January. And then, and in that process, so here we go in that process. And, and about one of the things you say, you said, just have conversations with people and reach out to them because I felt that once I joined there, there was a lot of agency owners mm -hmm. and I'd never yeah. been around that before. You know what I mean? And obviously that's how I met you guys and you were part of that process because once I started thinking, looking at agency owners, I initially thought, you know, how can my speaking skill stuff help agency owners? I thought, oh yeah. yeah, a lot of VSLs. Could they, could they use the support with my speaking skill stuff? And then I came across a lot of other people in money, Twitter and cold email wizard. And I put some stuff together, put up a landing page together, a video sales letter, which I'd never done before sent it to a cold email wizard. He said, this is brilliant. Messaged me within minutes. And that is where things started to change. It was, uh, it was a bit mental from there because he mentioned about done for you VSLs. Yeah. And I thought, 
I could potentially do that. I don't know how. And then I connected with Andre from Knowledge X. And in that in that period, when did we do our stuff? Was it January? It was around mid mid in January. Because I, for the life of me, I can't remember how I found you, but I remember seeing it. I think you were you were just about to do, or you were midway through doing Knowledge X's one. And then I read your like testimonial framework, which I think was your pin tweet for a while. And I was like, oh, this is, this is sick. This makes You know what it was? I think it was done, but it wasn't live. Andre showed us. Yeah, that's what it was. So that's how we heard about you. And then I think David messaged you. Did you message or? It was on a Saturday, bro. It was on a Saturday evening. Yeah, I remember. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah it was. But like, it basically just happenstance, right? Like lots of things connected and combined just by dumb luck. Total, total like that. And I, you know, I'm a big believer that things happen for a reason. It just, obviously stuff aligned. And also as well is I got out of my own way. And, you know, when I'm, when I was messaging Andre as well, I'm commenting on tweets and then he followed me back. Uh, I sent him the page of this kind of one-to-one -one speaking skills coaching for VSLs. He was like, yeah, it's good, man. Solid. But do you do done for you VSLs? And that's when I said, I fucking do now. <laughs> you know what i mean and li literally funny you should ask <laughs> and then then because i had it in my head four weeks earlier that's when cold email wizard said done for you vsls would pop you know what i mean yeah. so, and that's that started that process and then we jumped on a call you know mid-december i said look and i was straight up with andre i said look mate i've never done this for anyone else before i've done it for myself he really liked it but i have all the speaking skill stuff and acting stuff and writing scripts so it was weird how all those years of experience came together in this moment and then i went through the process delivered the vsl it, it within four weeks it got them 100 plus conversion increase right and they loved it and i was like yeah. and then that's when things started to to go and before i'd even finished that they asked me to be the coach for client ascension for vsl stuff and obviously that's i didn't i had no idea you guys were in that when we connected <laughs> it was it's just all so many synchronicities happened yeah. and then since then you know at, at this point i think i might be on my my seventh done for you vsl for a client wow. and it's and then the interesting part they're getting better as well with regard to mm -hmm. you know the similar formula stuff but i'm telling you, the design of it is getting a bit more a bit more flashy yeah. but not too complex but it's just really interesting how it's evolving and how how this has become a thing now you know and i'm getting known on twitter for the vsl stuff and it's just i mean so I, I remember reading ages ago, someone tweeted it for the life of me, I can't remember who, but they were like, you on Twitter, especially, it is essentially just how you create your personal brand, right? But you need to become the insert thing you do guy yeah. on Twitter. And as soon as you do that, you basically just lock yourself in to like grow meteorically, right? So for example, I think cold email is for obvious reasons is like, the cold email guy, right? Alex Berman may have been doing it for longer or whatever, whatever, whatever. But like on Twitter, you go to cold email with for as, cold email. As far as the brand is concerned, cold email with is for cold email with name walk. Yeah. And then way back when, before like Nick started being, the, I suppose Nick is now the SaaS guy. Right. I would assume that, that I mean, that's even, even though there's a hundred motherfuckers called SaaS, <laughs> SaaS, SaaS Y, SaaS Zs. But you know, the thing is, I mean, I, I think of Nick as the automation 
and Sass. That was what I was thinking as well. That's where that, that's how he started, right? Like he had the 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 Notion Zapier file with like a million automations in it and whatever else. But in my mind, he's now kind of changed into the enterprise level SaaS guy. But like you said, you know him as the automations guy. So like once you find your foothold of whatever that is on Twitter, that is what you'll build your brand around. And now you, I think you are the VSL guy. It's, it's really strange. And the thing is, I love doing them. You know, for, what's crazy is, you know, you have the idea, you've got, obviously you've got the framework, you plug in the information, you write the script, you record the script, you do the slide, you put it all together it, as an asset. It's very cool. And I, I love the fast turnaround time of it because mm-hmm. a lot of times when I've done uh, the speaking skills coaching with my clients, it's over a period of weeks or months. You know what I mean? Whereas this is new project, new project. You know what I mean? I can, I can, if d- depending on how much I haul ass, I can get, I can get one done from start to finish. And, and also how fast my client replies to the uh, stuff in Slack. You know what I mean? I, I, can, I can get one done between seven and 10 days easily. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, it's just a fascinating process. You know what I mean? And then that asset sits on somebody's website. And it's, it's really interesting. And my plan is just to get better and better and scale. And because right now it's me. And, you know, I'm around a lot of good people who understand how to scale. And... So, yeah. And, and the thing is, out of all my years in business, you know, I've never had a team. I've never, it's always been me on my own. So it's a, right. it's a new way of me thinking about business and stuff. And so that excites me. And, I've, and, and I, look at, I look back and I think, why, why did I never scale with stuff before? And I think it's because I, you know, I was delivering a lot of the time with the speaking, cool. speaking skill stuff. I couldn't be asked to train anyone. Uh, also, I've realized I might have been a bit of a control freak with that because, <laughs> because I'm like, no one's going to be able to coach people like I do with my experience, with my way. So I was like, I'd rather not. Um, I, and so, but with this, I can see how I can scale. You know what I mean? And it's, it's about finding the people that can do the slide design, finding the people that can maybe even create the scripts, that kind of stuff as well. So it's like, it's a scalable business and that excites me yeah i like a lot because i've i've never been in that position in my life before so if you were to build a team um obviously this is definitely on your mind right now if you were to build a vsl team who what what positions what position would you say you need you'd need designers you would need copywriters for the scripts and would you actually get speakers as well or would you do all the speaking yourself look it's the thing is, it would be ridiculous of me to say, no, I need to do all of that myself because there are plenty of actors out there, voiceover artists that would do it sufficiently as well, you know? And, and that's where I think in the past I've got like, no, 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 I need to do that. You know what I mean? But I know for a fact there will be voiceover artists out there that could definitely bring a script to life, you know? So in theory, each part of the process that I'm doing now, somebody else could do. I just really enjoy, I'm just really enjoying being in the trenches right now and going through the process and understanding all the different working parts of it and what's working, what can I improve or, you know, how can I get better at that? And, uh, you know, and on my mind now and, and cold email was, it's like, man, just get a course out there as well. So I'm talking, you know, potentially kind of, that's definitely going to happen, but I think I will, I will end up 
potentially partnering with him and Andre, that kind of stuff, because they have the audience. Um, so we'll see how that works. I, I don't exactly know how it worked right now, but I definitely want to create a course because, you know, you guys, you know, went through the coaching with me, you created your VSL and, and it's, it's certainly better than the thing you had on your website before. Jesus. And, uh, I just have to get that one in there. The, the notable pause and then your use of the word thing was just the worst part. The, the, delivery, the, deli the delivery was impeccable on that. That was a nice little cast there. <laughs> but it's, uh, and, and now it's, you know, uh, I know, David, you and I have, have messaged about it. It's about being able to create a course in a way where where people can create their own VSL using the framework that doesn't look like every other VSL out there as well. And I think, you know, going through the process now is how can I create uh, assets and and training so people can actually go and, and create something that that is unique but uses the same kind of formula because the formula works with regard to okay. what content to put in it's just that how is that expressed in the vsl and it's just i mean the possibilities creatively are endless with it and that's that's what i'm really enjoying at the moment so i i spoke to daniel about this when when me and him did the podcast last week and the problem that you're going to have, unfortunately, and I already know this is going to make me sound like a dick, but whatever, deal with it. Like nobody has the requisite amount of creativity to not just blindly follow you, right? If you tell them a way to do it, it will just do that thing just by virtue of why do I have to think for myself? Yeah, I get that. The, the exact thing that I said to you would happen, which is you've given them too many answers. You've taken away any level of like critical thinking or creative necessity. So as a result, all of them look the same. So you're, you're now going to have to do like four times the work to essentially make your own thing less good. But what's actually, um, what's funny about that is that if anybody is to kind of like take the next step and kind of like do... Obviously, everybody's doing level one. If we're talking, if mm -hmm. we're talking levels, right? Everybody's doing level one. They're seeing the VSLs that you're making, and they're like, "Oh, you know what? I think I can do that myself." And then they'll they'll copy the slide design somehow using something other than Canva, and then they'll say what you said in the way that you said it, and take your frameworks and so on and so forth and make it. They will sort of like saturate, but you're the you're essentially because you're the progenitor here you're literally the, the person who will be able to take it to the next level innovate on what's currently there and then put something else new out and now you have a bit more intellectual property that's actually now you have an intellectual property that is again more advanced than what's out there so you're still staying ahead because you created the thing so in one way it's kind of a double-edged sword you're you're uh everyone looks the same right now because this is the way that it's currently working but when that will stop working you'll find a new way that things will start working you know i i think the thing is in the scheme of how many agencies are out there how many mm -hmm. students are in client ascension how many clients i've worked with mm -hmm. it's like 0.001 percent <laughs> you know what i mean it, it's a tiny amount but because we've been in it and you've been in client ascension and that's a lot of the framework of course, there's more people. It seems like there's a lot of agency owners using it and driving, but there isn't at the moment. You know what I mean? And I think I think that's important to recognise. And I, it's a nice challenge as well to kind of kind of you know what do I put in the course to make sure okay people have different options as well. But I I also get what you're saying 
as well about you know people don't want to think for themselves and i i naively i didn't think that you know when people are like literally doing stuff and i'm thinking well that's exactly the same as that for and then i think okay no but that's what you fucking gave them you dickhead you know what i mean so of course they want speed they want to get something up there. they want to do that so it's like okay and then i need to give them lots of options so they can but that's okay that's okay i don't mind doing that honestly if it, if it were up to me i would have like this is gonna sound stupid right but let's say you did it like an ebook let's say you have like 50 examples of each you're one. You're going to say some stupid shit. <laughs> you have like 50 examples of each phrase that you tell people to put in it, right? Every time someone purchases, they get a different one. <laughs> so, so at that point, it's impossible for like people to get consistently the same information. Yeah, but do you, do you know what? There, there's a guy called John Benson, right? Yeah. There, yeah okay, yeah. so you know him. So I didn't, I never knew about him until, I don't know what it was, like a month, th- uh, about a month ago. Uh, because the whole VSL thing is fairly new to me in that world, per se. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I researched it. He's the guy who came up with VSLs. Yeah. He has some software that you can buy where you can where they've got lots of different sentences, lots mm-hmm. of different things that you can you can plug in. So for me, it's about giving people options with that. And and yeah, so the whole VSL thing is mad that it's happened so quick, and I'm loving it. So I'm just I'm just riding the wave. So VSLs now, you kind of touched on it a couple of times beforehand, but like, where did, where did this all come from? Like, I, know, I obviously know the story of like, you're a speaking coach, but like for everyone else that just knows you as the VSL guy, like, why? Like, where did, where did you get all of the skills that you've learned that enable you to do VSL so well? I'm, 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 I'm prodding you here. Cause I know where this is going. I've right? been but, thinking about this, like, where does it, where does it all start? How can I? How can I literally come up with a framework, come up with a script, then do the slide design, do the voiceover, put the whole thing together. And so from the age of three till 20, art was the thing that I'd done. I mean, yeah, art, art, my whole, my whole life. So at school, art was the thing that I wanted to do that I was really good at as an expressive thing. I fucking loved it. And so GCSEs, GCSEs, I... What's going on? Is your phone going? I clicked my, I clicked my fingers, <laughs> and it's just so loud. Are you nervous, <laughs> mate? You nervous about? You nervous about talking to me? It's all right, man. Just chill. Don't do that. No, 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 no. This is a, this is a normal habit. It's a regular habit I do normally. Man. He clicked his neck. He clicked his neck, and in, in the most like aggressive fashion. And I'm just so. Upset. Oh, some people click their neck though. They just do that, don't they? Like crack, crack. Right. So I done, I done art all my life, and I did. GCSE wise, I did art and I stayed on at sixth form and decided, and I, I kind of regretted not taking drama a little bit because I had the kind of, there was a, an interest there. So when it came to A-levels, I did art, drama and psychology. You were really trying to pull chicks at A-levels. <laughs> you took all the subjects that the most girls took and you were like, all right, let's, let's see how this goes. To be fair, GCSE and that, that didn't work. It kind of helped a little bit, kind of helped a little bit more going into, uh, Going into sixth form, I kind of, kind of came into my own a bit more then. And so, but I dropped psychology after eight weeks because it was too much writing and academic for me. I couldn't deal with it. Psychology is so shit at A-levels, but that's another story for another day. But it was so text heavy and my creative brain and that side of me, I couldn't deal with it. So I start with art and drama. I ended up getting two A's. I uh, did well with that. And my dream though, at, and even in GCSE and that period, was to go to Central St. Martin's School of Art and Design. 
Mm. Right in London. So he, back then, I don't know what it's like now, but back then it was like the top art school in Europe. You know, that was the reputation. So I ended up doing doing my A levels. I I went for the kind of the assessment day there, gave them my portfolio, heard back that I got in, which is amazing. So I went I went there for a year to do a foundation in art and design, wow. specialized in sculpture. Towards the end of it, could have stayed on. No way. Yeah, could have done a fine art degree in sculpture there, but I wanted to get out of town. So I went to Norwich Art School to do a fine art degree in sculpture. I stayed in halls of residence, uh, lived there for, I was there for four months. And my creativity was just, the first month was great. Second month, there was, we got literally, I'm talking about money-wise, 250 pounds worth of this block of cedar wood. I just hacked it in for a month. I, fuck it, I, I lost my head. And uh, enjoyed partying with the boys. There's 12 of us down, down the halls. It was me doing fine art. Uh, the other... Well, I think nine of them doing graphic design and then the other two doing like contextual studies or whatever it was to do with art. And uh, we had a, we had a blast. Not contextual study, it's some kind of uh, art philosopher. Fuck those. It, put, it was very intellectual. And, right. uh, and those two were off their head on, uh, they smoked a lot of weed, which kind of, you know. It all makes sense. <laughs> but, uh, but my creativity just wasn't there. And I, I had the, I had this, drive to perform as well you know i got the bug when i was doing a level so at the time i was like i went home at christmas and i was like i'm not feeling it and my parents at the time they said uh, well what do you want to do i said i want to go to drama school and i said well why don't you go back after you know after christmas and see how you feel so i stepped foot in the studio literally day one my foot went over the threshold of the door and i was like i don't want to be here so i quit uh and waited a few months and an audition for East 15 acting school, which was in Essex. And, uh, but I didn't get in the first time because they stuck me on a waiting list because they said your diction's horrendous and you speak too fast. And uh, I was like, shit, I just quit this. I was like, Fuck. I've quit all of that to come in and they've stuck me on the fucking waiting list. Um, but it was all right because a number of people didn't take their place and I got in. So I ended up doing three years at drama school, uh, came out in 2003 and went straight up to edinburgh did a two-man comedy show called bubba ganoush and bagels about bubba ganoush and bagels which one were you about uh, a jewish guy and a muslim guy who are best mates from hackney you get me bruv they're rude boys man and then the, the whole the whole they were whole the whole premise it was uh, uh the, the boys were called shlomo and sharif right because my my heritage is i'm jewish right i'm not religious but i'm jewish so um so yeah, we did slow motion. My best mate from drama school at the time, uh, Martin Brody, but he's half Irish, half Syrian. Worked that one out, right? Oh my God, what a mix. Pretty boy, uh, speaks Arabic, like, and grew up in Ireland. Uh, amazing mix. Anyway, so we went to we went to, to Edinburgh, 24 shows in 25 days, had a blast. Terrible time slot, but, you know, coming out of drama school, it was great. And, uh, and then for the next few years, I did... A lot of theatre. Theatre was my training. You know, it's a method acting school, so it's pretty wow. intense. And um, yeah, and then so did a bits and pieces here and there. And then in 2007, I got fucking fed up of doing, you know, crappy sales jobs and this job and that job. And uh, I joined a business network, even though I didn't have a business. And then well, I quit. And then I quickly realised that people were terrible when they were networking. They couldn't communicate properly. So I offered a couple of one-hour sessions to people I'd become friends with. And at that time, I was selling 
I was selling advertising space that went on a CD that went on the front of a wedding magazine. You know, no one's looking at that CD. You know what I mean? No, I was only 250 quid a week. And to hit commission, it would give me maybe an, another couple of grand. And uh, it was a Saturday morning, end of the month, and I came in to see if I could hit commission. And I rocked up at nine o'clock in London Bridge. I text the boss and uh, I said, yeah, I'm here. I didn't hear anything. I waited outside for an hour. Two hours later, uh, two and a half hours later, he texted me, so I'm not coming in. Okay. And that's when, I, that's when I went, fuck this. And that prompted me to, to join the business network. Wow. I know, I, know I, did a, I know I did a bit of a jump there, but when I offered those two, hour, two one-hour sessions, you know, they went great. It's basically me directing them to yeah. become better at speaking, you know, filmed them at the start, done some stuff, watched it at the end, massive difference. And I said, how much would you pay for a session like this? They said 100, 150 quid for the hour. From 250 quid a week to 150 quid an hour. How much? And that's when that started taking off. And then over the years, you know, obviously at the time I'm, I'm still doing some of it now. Um, 16 years of it and it's taken me all over the world, you know, and to some really awesome jobs and clients that I've coached, you know, she's, she's not there, there now. She's currently the CMO of Intel, but at the time, one of my clients was the CMO of Cisco systems. And uh, funny enough, she's from Sunderland and I supported her. I supported her twice uh, to open Cisco live in Vegas. Wow. 9,000 people live in the auditorium. And nearly a hundred thousand people more watching online. So I ended up working with a number of senior people in Europe, getting them ready for the equivalent of Cisco Live there as well. And you know, work with a number of professional speakers and that kind of stuff. So, you know, from a from a career point of view and, and that side of the business stuff has been I have some, you know, some really awesome times doing it as well. And and it feels like now the evolution of me and where my creativity is going and and what I'm doing, it feels like that's starting to come to a close over the next year or two and and then the whole kind of vsl stuff and online stuff is just uh it's starting to take shape nicely and i don't know where it's heading but i know there's a demand for it and i'm really enjoying it so it's uh it's you know considering what's been gone on over the last couple of years it feels like a really good place to be in as well that's actually fascinating i think the the, the thing i took from that is kind of went through a lot of seasons in life and in my mind you kind of went with the flow and you kind of just followed your intuition throughout the whole throughout the, the most of it was there any um was there any like being pushed in any kind of direction was did that ever happen for you you know like parents saying you know this is a dumb idea stop doing art this art's not going to pay you well i was i was very lucky i was very lucky in that sense i had, I had a lot of support don't do that. White parents do that too, man. No, no, no. They, no, they definitely, they definitely do. They definitely do. But no, I was lucky in that sense. Um, and uh, yeah, so no, I just, I was just got on with doing that stuff, you know. And uh, like you said, the opportunities popped up, and away I went. And it's, uh, it's really interesting. You know, you look at the VSL stuff with regard to, with regard to the framework. Uh, that sort of came from being around looking at online marketing and and a bit of psychology and understanding, you know, a little bit about video sales list after doing some research and copywriting over the last kind of 12 months. And then I formulated and looked at some others and form, thought, okay, to get a booked call, what, how would this work? And that's how I created my video sales letter in that sense. 
and uh, and then it's worked for other people. So, but that that's the only thing that kind of uh, came about with regards to the VSLs that isn't in my past because the art stuff and and also with the training stuff, it's all about how can you share a message in a really simplified way that lands first time as well. And so a lot of the training materials and and understanding making a big impact in a short space of time that works for the you know the scripting the messaging and then taking people on an emotional journey which you do as an actor writing scripts writ many wrote many scripts in my time as well so and then bringing the scripts to life and and the design stuff and the art stuff so it's just crazy how it's all come together to produce this asset as well that people can have yeah it's very cool you you've talked about creativity pretty consistently like throughout our conversation and like so i i was in a very similar boat to you with writing um so when i was a kid i took um my first like when i realized that like i could write was i, I did gcc history uh and i could remember all of the facts all of the events like no issue whatsoever but i could not write an essay to save my life and i had a history teacher um this like tiny little irish bloke called Adrian Trehi, who was like, he was our head of key stage for like seven, eight and nine. So he's probably, I swear to God, he's like five foot four, maybe five foot five, like a tiny little Irishman. Every morning without fail, he would butcher his own face with, with his, with his razor. So he'd come in with like blood on his shirt, like all of like spots cut up on his neck. It's just like terrifying when you're like 11 and you <laughs> see this guy every morning, just consistently pissed off and bleeding. Um, so he was our history teacher, fantastic history teacher. Um, we had to do coursework as well as exams. So we did the coursework in year 10. Uh, and like, I was a bright kid, not like genius level intellect, but bright enough that I got consistently good grades. So we were at parents evening and I'd done my coursework and I got a D in the coursework, right? It was the first D I'd ever got in my life, right? I remember going home and told my parents about it. And they looked at me like, you, you okay? Like, there's something going on. <laughs> Where the fuck is this come from? And I was like, I don't know. I just, did, I just don't understand what, how this has happened. Going to parents even, and he he sits my parents down. I mean, they're like, oh, you know, how's David doing? And blah blah blah. Like, I know this was a bit of a, a shock result for him. And he pauses and he goes, look, David's clearly very bright, but unless he gets a job that lets him talk, he's not going to amount to anything in life. He cannot write. If he if he is required to write, he will fail. And I looked at this guy and I looked at my parents and I was like, you've just signed my fucking death warrant in front of my parents. Are you crazy? I remember looking at him going, no, you can't do that. There's no way that I'm letting this happen. So my really close mate at the time, my best mate at the time was like just phenomenal essay writer, like could write essays super quick, just smashed it out, really good at history, understood it really well. Um, and he was like, right, every day for until exam period which i think probably about four or five months later i went to his house off school and he literally taught me how to write essays amazing in those two history history exams i beat him and every other single person in the year i got a 97 and a 94 and i went back to this teacher and i was like i did it i told you i could write and he was like i told you you could write you needed to kick up the ass so that you actually do the work and figure out how to do it and from then on i was like oh okay so there's a way you have to write and then from there on, like writing became something that I genuinely really enjoyed. So I did uh, A-level English Lit uh, and another one of my, like, yeah, went from hating writing, not being able to write an essay to go and do English Lit, sociology and economics. Oh my God, the left side of my face starts to drop when I hear that, man. Right. So um, 
I remember writing this essay and handing it in to my then teacher and she was reading it through like like after after a lesson reading it through and she was like you write really well but you just sound so wanky and I was like why do all my teachers hate me <laughs> so I was like huh okay and she was like no 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 just get to your point faster you don't need to use big words. You don't need to sound complex. Just make your point and make it quicker. I was like, okay. So there's not only the, there's a way of writing, but there's a way of writing for clarity. Okay. And then that lesson clicked. And then from there on out, like writing, especially essays just became incredibly easy. Like when I was at uni, remember the essay that I wrote, um, the history essay. So another like history related topic. So we, uh, as part of my degree, I did international management with American business. The only difference between that and like a regular business degree. You get to go is, to America for a year. You're damn right. That's the only reason I picked it. <laughs> I did my year abroad in America. Smart move. Like, dude, I, I, I didn't camp America four times when I was younger. No way. How was that? Uh, that was a crazy experience. One of some of the best times of my life. Most fun you never want to have again, except you did it three more times. So probably not. 99, 2000, 2004, 2005. Yeah, amazing experience. Cool. Well, thank you for that. That that little little, <laughs> little sprinkle. Little sprinkle. So yeah, when he said the States, I was like, yeah. Just brought back all the memories. So I had to do this history exam or history essay um, and did it in the space of what? I started writing at 11 p.m., finished writing at 7 a.m., handed it in and got an 85. But like, because I can just write now, right? So like now I've, I kind of unlocked that through the journey. Um, and then I did uh, Ship 30 for 30, not last year, year before. No. So I don't know if you're familiar with Ship 30 for yeah, 30. Yeah, of course. So I did that. And that like probably has gotten me now to the stage where I'm very comfortable just writing and publishing. But that creativity element to kind of loop all the way back to where this conversation started. Um, that creativity element that you said is really important to you, whether it was when you were doing sculpture or whether you were doing comedy or now in the VSL part, like, do you feel that as time has gone on, creativity has become more important or less important? To you? you know, there's been plenty, plenty of chunks of time when I've just been doing the speaking skills where I felt I've been squashing my creativity. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I felt like I haven't been creative at all. And that's fucking sucked. So I haven't necessarily found an outlet even. Haven't wanted to paint or sculpt or do any of that. I haven't done that for like donkey's years. Um, so there's been lots of times because I don't necessarily, I don't feel I'm being creative when I'm doing the speaking skills coaching. Right. It's not a creative pursuit for me at all. I, you know, I enjoy it. I've been doing it for a long time and I love how, you know, I love the value that people get from it and the transformations that happen, but that that's not creativity. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's down to somebody else to implement the tools to, to get yeah. a result. That's not my, my process, my, you know, my, my thoughts, my design, my, you know, my, the whole process, it doesn't come from within me. Um, so there's been lots of times, uh, and actually now, and, and even more so with the whole pandemic and, and what happened and it's, it's definitely important to me now. Now I'm doing more creative stuff again. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I like this. I like the building process. I, I love the process of going from concept in the mind to actually creating something. It just happens that this is a digital asset, but it's still that whole process of, of, of seeing something in your mind and then putting the components together to actually build it. So yeah, yeah that, I mean, I think that's why I really like sculpture 
because it was the concept and then physically making something and and then it manifesting it's almost a craft it's almost a craftsmanship isn't it there's a there's there's an element of i have this thing in my head and i'm going to put it down on paper on wood on a video on audio whatever it may be mm-hmm. which is where i can understand how not how teaching people how to speak better is not fulfilling that element of creativity for you no uh, no and you know what it's no no definitely not i not but i i realize that more so now now i'm doing this as well you know and my wife's my wife has noticed a, a change she said you seem much happier with the work you're doing now because now i've got more of a balance of doing this and obviously i'm i'm still doing some of the speaking skill stuff but i've been doing it 16 years now it, it doesn't feel like the thing i'm going to be doing for the rest of my life and like i said i reckon another year may maybe two with that stuff it feels like it's coming coming to run its course almost. yeah a natural a natural end as well but the the vsl stuff and, and even that it's like okay well how how can i evolve that with agencies what other maybe video assets that people need and and that kind of stuff but it's i definitely feel like i'm using my creativity now which is great i'm well chuffed about that the reason that i brought up the the essay story that i just mentioned was it was so really weird segue um for a level we we had to basically study uh a play by alan bennett called the history boys um loved it it still remains one of like the best things that i've seen and or read or studied ever um and it basically compares and contrasts two uh like teaching styles from two very different teachers one is very much there is no such thing as general knowledge all all knowledge that you gain through education serves some purpose or other um then there is like learning for the love of learning right so learn poetry learn art learn music learn everything because there is uh everything that you learn will benefit you in some way whereas one is very cynical and one is very like kind of artsy and into the whatever right and so they basically it's a story of these i think 12 kids who are all a-level students in uh some town in yorkshire um and they all are applying to oxbridge and they have these two contrasting teachers. One is very much like you should learn everything and you should, you know, learn all of the classic things, yada, yada. And the other is you have to be pointed and different in the arguments that you make because otherwise everyone is going to be doing the same thing. Kind of relating back to the VSLs that we were talking about, how everyone's going to say the same things, right? So within it, he says they, they're talking about like World War II uh, or like basically like British history in, in, in the period. And he's like, everyone is going to say fundamentally the same things about historical, you know, the historical past. There is no objective fact is quote unquote real. But if you take a different perspective on that, then fundamentally your essays will stand out. And it, it brought around the idea of, okay, how can you get creative with things that are objective? And if you have the ability to do that, if you have the ability to take in information and essentially spin it, you now have the ability to change narratives that otherwise people just accept and move on. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Every single time I have to do something creative, right? Whether it's write an essay that I think will be like particularly complex or whatever, I go back and I watch that film and it's fantastic because it like restarts that creativity element. I've probably seen that film 50 plus times it restarts that creative element in my head. And so like the history essay, the one I did at uni that I've mentioned, um, we had to write, uh, um, so we had to write a, uh, 
we could pick like one of 10 questions and one of them. So this was 20. So it was like prime Donald Trump years. Um, it was like the end of Obama, beginning of Trump, I think. Um, we had to write an essay basically every four years or something. There is uh, like a ranking of all of the US presidents. So like they get a bunch of historians together and they say, rank all of the presidents according to these metrics. Tell us the best and the worst, right? And the results don't really vary that much. But basically, depending on like which historians are giving their opinions, the time period that like they are in, i.e. is there a massive political change or whatever, the results kind of vary between historians. Also, sorry to cut you off here, but they made you learn about presidents when you're doing international business. American studies. Oh, okay. That's why. So we had to learn about the US. Anyway, so loads of people picked this presidential question because Trump was like just coming in and was like, oh my God, Trump was, Trump is so bad, Obama's so great, whatever. And I was like, okay, taking the learnings of the history boys, how can I be different with this? And I flipped it on its head and I basically went, who like US presidents wise is hated almost universally, Richard Nixon. Why don't I write an essay about why Richard Nixon wasn't that bad? And that's what I did. Uh, and, you know, sent it in after writing it for eight hours the day before it was due. Uh, and I got the feedback from, from uh, the professor. And he was like, this is one of the most fascinating essays I've ever read. I've learned things in this essay that I didn't know. And I'm going to go away and research. Thank you for writing this. This was a pleasure to read. Everyone else who answered the same question got mediocre grades. Because you can't say anything different about stuff unless you take a different view, right? And it's exactly what Shani was saying earlier. Because you're the progenitor of your VSL thing, you will always find a way of saying something new given the same input. Yeah. Because you've created it. It is something that is new to you by definition. Whereas everyone else who simply regurgitates it doesn't have the necessary, like, skills or understanding of where it came from to create something new. And that's why when you say like, oh, this is really interesting to me because I get to be creative again, it doesn't shock me in the slightest because you've literally birthed this from your brain. And every time you go and do it again, it's something else for you to do and grow and build. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like literally birthing it, birthing it from my brain. It's like, I, this, I find that fucking mental that as humans, we can have this idea or thought and then use our technology hands whatever to like create it and then go through a process and have a finished article of a thing that's that's nuts that's ridiculous i know i know it's how we a lot of times we have computers and we've got all the stuff we do in the 3d world but that is that is such a crazy ass phenomenal process that we get to do like for me like being that creative i i still think about that i think holy shit I come up with a framework and then to plug a script in and then do that and this and the voiceover and the design. And then, then somebody gets a video sales letter that goes on their fucking website that gets the more book sales calls. And that's evergreen. That's fucking crazy. Hmm. So that actually leads me on to something that I was, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast where I talked about <clears throat> structures and then spaces within the structures. So you kind of have, you kind of created your own playground here with VSLs, right? Do you see yourself in maybe a year or two going further and further down the rabbit hole or seeing where else the video platform and your creative skills can be applied? Which, 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 which direction do you think you, you're taking? Do you mean going further down the VSL route? Yeah. Possibly. I don't have that answer just yet. Uh, you know, if right now with regard to people saying, oh, what, what, I've got this product and, you know, what do you recommend 
I don't, I said, I don't know. Cause I, my, my framework doesn't work for selling a product. It's, it's selling a booked call. You know what I mean? That's why it's short and sweet. That's why the VSLs are five to eight minutes long, you know? So I think I, for me right now, this year is all about staying in that lane and focusing on that framework and getting really good at that and, you know, scaling it up to where there's a lot more metrics and, you know, proof of all, all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Clear conversion rates and that kind of stuff. And then I can charge more for the VSLs and like moving forward. I don't know. I, I'd like the idea that this is kind of just the start of the kind of the video journey in that sense, because I am fascinated about, you know, other ways, you know, could I, could, you know, could I create a 60 second VSL that does the same job? You know, I'm interested in that, you know, could I cut, do that as well? You know, and I'll play around with stuff for sure. Cause that's the creative part of me that's intrigued by that. And so with regard to going deeper down the VSL route right now, I'm going to stick to that for the next 12 months. I'm already thinking about what other video assets I can create for agency owners that would help them. I don't know what that is. So then it's time for me to go out and, and start asking, you know, I've had some feedback that some people are saying about um, some video ads to drive traffic to the, the VSL as well. So could I look at that for sure? But my creative brain is like, okay, now I'm working on this and I've got a formula for it. What else can I add to add value to my clients? So, so yeah, man, I'm open. So that kind of teases that, that kind of, makes me understand how your brain works a bit better then because in for some people and this kind of goes into the whole generalist versus uh, specialist conversation that we like having here but for some people when they've kind of like found that thing the specialist will essentially say you know what, i'm just going to commit time to this one thing because i can go deeper and deeper and deeper and then the generalist will be the person who will say you know what i've got I've got this here. There's there's other stuff around it. Like I'm following what's adjacent to it, left and right, left and right. I think because of what you've just said, I feel like the way that your your next step would have been my next step in your position, which is to just kind of like keep take keep keep going. You're doing done for you. Find ways to make the find ways to make the actual service more uh, to be able to raise the price of the service find ways to bolster the deliverables, find ways to add to that one thing and get better at that one aspect, which is actually something that's, that I'm looking forward to see how that one evolves. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. It makes sense as well, because it's really, it's kind of, it's still in its infancy in, in that sense. You know what I mean? It's uh, kind of just, just started. So, you know, I've, I have to go in for at least a year full on with that and see how I can add value uh, around that as well. You know, it's, uh, it's just, it's really interesting. It's fascinating. I never, I never thought I'd, I'd be in a space where I'm, I'm interested in understanding conversion rate more and all of this copyright and stuff, which I want to get better at, you know, never in a million fucking years did I think I'd be interested in understanding how to write copy. Are you kidding me? I like last year, I believed I hated writing, you know what I mean? But I'm, but I'm also interested now because copywriting is a means to write, to, to sell a product mm -hmm. or service or whatever mm -hmm. that is. So it's not typical, the typical route of what I perceive to be writing. Like you're talking about essays and all that shit. I'd rather, you know, st stick a pin in my eye and and then kind of sit down and write an essay. But that's just me personally, right? I hate essays as well. You're, you're not alone there. The copy side of thing, I, it's, it's, just, it's just really interesting how it all fits together. And, you know, I can see ways to scale it and to team up with people and who are complementary to what I do. So... Yes, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time, man. And I'm, I'm just chuffed that I've got this creative element back because it, 
because it fulfills me and I need it. With reference to, I'm kind of looping all the way back to, to where we started, doing comedy for, for an extended period of time. How long were you doing comedy for? Like 10 years? No. So 2003 consciously gave it up in 2015. Well, okay. So fine. So, so 12 years worth of comedy. 12 years. And you know, I, I did create my own comedy character, spoof comedy character called Guru John Popolini, who's the world's number one success guru. And I did, I did him for a while and I did some, you know, I did him in Edinburgh that fucking bombed. Um, but I then took him out and uh, I need to send you some, the YouTube channel. Have I not sent you that to you guys? I've, I've, I've Have you seen it? it? I haven't seen it. So that was a spoof character, kind of uh, Ali G-esque. He was a, you know, a success guru, but the how not to style teachings and stuff. Because I got very into personal development over the years as well. And then some stuff was a pile of shit. So it was born out of frustration. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, sorry. I deviated. But I feel like writing comedy and controlling an audience and what you're doing now and what you want to go into do in the future kind of go hand in hand. And my question, I guess, is firstly, am I right? And they do go hand in hand. And the second question is, would you go back to doing comedy? Or is comedy like you've, you've closed that chapter and that's no longer who you are? So first off, I hadn't really linked it about, you know, controlling an audience and taking them on the journey, but it's, yeah. it definitely is. It's very, very same. You know, it just happens that this is a recorded asset. You know what I mean? But you're, you're, there is a journey that you take people on and there's an emotional one. It has to be, especially with the video sales letters. You know, you've got to conjure up emotion in people. Otherwise, they're just going to fucking switch off and go somewhere else and go and make a cup of tea. And so, yeah, it's really interesting. It is about garnering audience attention in no matter what capacity that is. With regard to the comedy, would I go back to it? As I sit here right now, it, I don't feel like I would. It, it feels like that kind of chapter is closed. closed. I just, yeah, because I, again, I wasn't being fulfilled when I was doing it, and That's why I stopped. And so as I sit here now, no, but you can never say never. You know what I mean? Never say never. And maybe the kind of, when I start putting more content out there, building more of a personal brand, that kind of stuff that... I mean, nat naturally, there's a, I have a bit of a wacky side to me as well. And I suppose there's a, sometimes people laugh, you know what I mean? And it's, it's like, so, I mean, I'll be honest with you. The reason I stopped the comedy stuff is because people stopped laughing. And it, and it, no, that's not true. Don't believe me with that. No. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, I could see, I thought, oh, fucking hell, you bit on that. They're both going, oh. Right. Because no. what, what do you say to that? How do you respond to people that don't find me funny anymore? Oh, yeah, we agree. You shit. I love the spoof awkward shit, man. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think I would. But you know, I mean, I, I am a West Ham fan, and I might need to get some humour back into my life. So and, and comedy. So yeah, just watch West Ham. <laughs> You're a joke team. Don't worry about it. Are we finished? <laughs> No, I, I don't get as emotionally involved in, in football now that I, as I used to. I used to. I had a season ticket West Ham for twenty three years, sitting just above the chicken run. Wow. Yeah. So I did. I did in, enjoy a game. Yeah. When your team isn't doing that well, you can't be emotionally invested, or else. Or every oh, no, no, I've t done too much of that over the years, man. Oh hell yeah! You you literally said to me that you gave up supporting Arsenal. Yeah. When Leicester won the league, I was like, Arsenal, you fucked it. I'm no longer invested. I, I couldn't even tell you the, the the starting 11 now. Like, I just don't watch them anymore. Yeah. It's not a bad thing, man. It's not a bad thing. 
is what it is. You have to protect your mental health first and foremost, <laughs> innit? <laughs> That's true. I wish I'd, I wish I'd have probably done that over the years. Oh my God. On the podcast, we do a kind of rapid fire uh, question set, like quick fire round right at the end when we're about to wrap up. So we've come to that part of the show. Don't think too hard. Just gut instinct for all these. Dude, guys. don't think too hard. That's never been a problem for me. So don't worry about that now. <laughs> all right. First question. Would you rather fight one duck-sized horse? No, sorry. A hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? <laughs> horse-sized duck. Definitely, man. That'd be wicked. So much. Don't understand. Why would you want to fight one horse-sized duck? Horse-sized duck? That's, what, the, what the fuck is a giant duck going to do? Rip your head off. That, that beak will fuck you up when it's small, let alone when it's the size of a horse. I think it'll be quacking. It ain't going to be able to run faster than me, mate. It has wings that can fly! Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they can fly. But uh, they can't fly very fast anyway, so fuck it. No, a duck-sized horse. I'll stick with that. 100, so one horse-sized duck. Or? 100 duck-sized horses. Man, they're going to they're gonna snap my shins apart. A hundred... Are you kidding me? Stampede, they're going to stampede. I won't have any legs left, mate. No, I'm sticking with the giant duck, mate. <laughs> um, all right, next one. What is your... <laughs> you say, Mom. <laughs> yes? What's your drunk party trick? Oh, just to, just to put on different accents and people actually think I'm, like, from South Africa or... Yeah, I'm a fan of accents, so I've done I've done stuff when I'm drunk and actually spoke to people for two hours and then gone, I have to tell you something, I'm not actually from South Africa. And uh, they're like, you know, and I'm like, no. What's your best one? I don't know what my best one is. What's the one you're most comfortable in that you can just drop into? Hey, uh, Northern Ireland. You're right, Mitty. I've done that for, what, fucking a whole day. Belfast is not that's that's actually pretty impressive. My my my, my northern Irish tackle is not, not not my best one, but I can do it. Hey, but that's that sounds good. But my my mate Marty, who I did the uh yeah did Edinburgh with, he's grew up in Derry. So that accent, uh, I've heard that a lot. So So one of our best mates, uh Dara is from Belfast. So he's someone's gotta turn this off. Someone's gotta turn this accent off. <laughs> it's off, it's off, it's off. Um What's your Scots accent like? But it is very good. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I said Scottish. He had Indian. It just my Scottish accent is very good. <laughs> what kind of Scottish people are you hanging around? My with? Scottish one is you. Are you wanting curry? It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Scottish. Scottish. Alright, mate. <laughs> that is the. That is the most fresh Indian accent I've heard in years. Even my family don't talk like that. I know, dude. I know. Oh, my God. That was impressive. Sorry, dude. No, don't be sorry. It was funny. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I, 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 by the way, I've never done gone out and pretended to be Indian with that accent when I'm drunk. I mean, I hope not. Yeah, that could end long for you. That... I definitely haven't done that. Just goes into Bradford City Centre and just throws that out. <laughs> He'll get punched up differently. Uh, no, Birmingham's sorry hot. I've never done. No, not, not around there. No, I'm not that stupid. I love the curries there, but I'm not that, I'm that stupid to fucking pull a, an accent like that. Oh, God. Um, how did you find out that you were good at accents? I just good. didn't. Just didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, it wasn't like a, the cops were on me and I was like, oh, shit, I need to be someone else. Let me, let me try this accent. <laughs> if the cops were after you, what accent would you pick? Oh, 
probably. I feel like you have to pick something non-threatening. Non-threatening. Yeah, you 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 can pick Scouse. I was going to think. I was thinking Scouse. Why? Hey, mate, don't worry about it. I didn't mean to do that. Hey, just <laughs> just immediately just drops into like Jamie Carragher's Scouse. All right, mate. Yeah, no, it's all right. It's <laughs> proper, proper. Fucking sick, mate. Um, all right, anyway, next question. Uh, you go on a like a Harry Potter-style train carriage trip around the world. You get to see all the different like sites, climb Machu Picchu, go up Everest Base Camp, all the rest of it. Um, you get to take three guests with you, living or dead. Who do you pick? For the benefits of everyone else and making it actually understandable, don't pick your wife, your kid, and your mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do I pick? Uh, Peter Sellers. Okay, yep. One of them. Inspector Cluzo. My favourite yep. comedy character of all time. That'd be brilliant. One, two, two, one. It's just you and Peter Sellers on a romantic. And, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, interesting. Okay. N enough respect. I love him. Um, and then, oh fuck it, it's got. And then I'm I'm taking Ricky Gervais with me as well. Ricky Gervais. So three three comedians. So yeah, but you know, but it's not it's not going to be it's not going to be comedy though because you know there's some dark stuff in there too. You know what I mean? I think there's a. There's uh, with a lot of comedians and comedy actors. There's always there's always a lot of pain and stuff underneath that too. So there's a. Uh... Do you think that's why they they get into comedy as a defense mechanism for? Not necessarily. No, not not all the time. But you also find that there there is uh, there has been a lot of pain and suffering as well with with people a lot of that. I know Peter Sellers was uh, was tragic as well. You know, he uh, loved his alcohol and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah. Final question: If you had any superpower on the planet. What are you picking? To eat as much food as possible without getting fat. You get fat when you eat loads of food. Are you stupid? No, no, no. Some people can't. Oh, like him specifically. Yeah, yeah. If I, yeah, yeah. If I eat too much, too consistent. I mean, not, it's not really could be. Yeah, definitely. But I, I love food. I love food. So that would be my superpower. Not to get fat. Like be lean and have a six pack, which I don't have right now. But just be lean and ripped and like, uh, uh, you know, without, without stopping. I look. I know. I know. It's not the most sexiest superpower, but fuck it. I was going to mug you off for it, but 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 I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, no, that that actually be really helpful. You know what? I was thinking we should have like a subset where you, there's superpowers like um, Batman's not Batman, Superman, uh, like Superman, and all them guys, and then there should be like meta powers, which is like not superhuman, but like pinnacle of like human capacity. So like run as fast as Usain Bolt or. Things along like Wim Hof kind of shit. Oh, fine. Okay. So, so his would be I can eat what I want all the time. Just like, yeah. Okay. No, I hear that. that. That's 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 a good subset of questions. Yeah, smart. When you put it like that, it don't sound like a fucking superpower though. <laughs> that was a superpower to me, and you just kind of dumbed it down in like five seconds. Well, I mean, okay. Then you, you can either have another go. You can pick a different one, or you can stick it. No thanks. No, that that is my superpower. <laughs> Fair enough. Everyone's out here shooting fire from their palms. You're just eating and not getting fat. Ah, fair enough. Yeah, I'll take it. Stephen, this has been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for giving us your time. You're welcome. Um, Appreciate you having we, me on. No, we, we, we love talking to you. You're always a bundle of energy and, and, and a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm glad we managed to, to get the time in. It took a while, but we did it. We did. We managed to get here eventually. Appreciate your time, my friend. Speak soon. Pleasure, gents. See you later. Thank you.